Welcome back to another installment of our Engaging Politically with Grace and Truth podcast series. I'm Jeff Howell, one of your elders and associate pastors, and it's my privilege to contribute to the dialogue we are having on such an important topic. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm the humblest person I know, and I'm proud of it? Would you believe them? Probably not. Humility is one of those Christian character traits that doesn't announce itself, but which is obvious in the life of one who adopts the attitude. Today, I want to address the place of humility in our engagement with politics. As believers, it is a non-negotiable ingredient of our unity with one another and to the world. It should be our calling card. If you've been with us for past episodes, you know the goals of this series are to help believers think biblically about the role of government and make biblical decisions about how we engage with public policy and candidate platforms. At this time in our country, there are many important things that need to be said. The necessary flip side of that coin, though, is that there are many important things that need to be heard. Believers are called to do both in a way that reflects our calling in Christ. Other episodes of this podcast have addressed the speaking part of things, but my goal is to offer some practical help on the listening side of things. Simply stated, we need to cultivate and exercise the kind of humility that is willing to listen, willing to learn, and unwilling to sacrifice unity with other believers as we engage politically. So, how do we maintain unity with those with whom we disagree? As Pastor Steve told us during week one, quote, it's no secret that even Christians are going to disagree on some political matters, and that's okay. It is the gospel of Jesus that binds us together, not our political parties or agenda preferences, end quote. It is a testimony to the watching world that people of different races, backgrounds, and political affinities all find a loving home within the body of Christ. When that kind of loving acceptance marks us, it causes people to wonder about the power of such a gospel to unite such diverse people. However, when we allow other things like political affinities to tear us apart, it communicates that the gospel is somehow insufficient to transform us into loving people. We need to keep this in mind always because political engagement is one of those things in life that has an unerring tendency to create division amongst people who otherwise get along just fine. Now, before I got trained for full-time ministry, I worked in the political arena for six years. I saw up close the formation of, disagreement over, and implementation of public policy. I witnessed many a debate. You don't need to have that kind of background, though, to know that there are at least two sides to every issue, and I think you'll agree with me that everyone who engages in a debate, whether on the floor of the House, or in the court of public opinion, or on the pages of social media, thinks that their perspective is the right one. No one likes to be told that they are wrong. We want to be right, and sometimes we want to be right at all costs. We want to have the final word. We want people to side with our point of view. We care about what we have to say and can get frustrated when others don't seem to value our words or ideas as much as we do. We sometimes make inferences based on past experiences and assign motives when, in truth, we lack firsthand knowledge of another's perspective, often because we didn't take the time to listen and learn. We can tend to start every discussion as the expert and expect the other guy to learn from us. 
We might even conclude that those who won't understand and embrace our reasoning are fools. But what about us? Are we willing to listen, learn, gain perspective, and test our conclusions against deeper understanding? The truth is that no one is right about everything. Thus, we need to listen, learn, and be open to better wisdom. And these things take humility. I asked a friend how he would define humility, and without hesitation, he responded that Jesus, the Son of God, went to his apostles, girded a towel around his waist, and washed everyone's feet, including Judas, his betrayer. This is a reference, of course, to the Last Supper in the upper room the night before Jesus was crucified. Jesus gave up his rights and ultimately his life for everyone in the room and the world. Jesus prayed to his father sometime after dinner, Not my will, but yours be done. Another classic New Testament text on humility is Philippians 2, 1-11. And here comes the best part of this podcast episode, God's Word. Verses 1-5 through in the New American Standard Bible say, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's pause here. These first five verses from the pen of Paul spill over with practical helps that should flavor the manner in which we communicate our message. To name just a few, verses 1 and 2 are a prompt for believers to be of the same mind, the same love, the same spirit, and the same purpose. There are many things we could say, but what I want to focus on is the positive injunction here to protect our fellowship with other believers. Verses 3 through 5a, with their imperatives not to act in selfishness or vanity, but rather to make it an attitude to humbly consider others as more important than ourselves, reinforce the point. And these principles should extend to our political discussions and even our COVID-19 discussions with other believers. To summarize, personal humility is the avenue by which we might arrive at corporate unity. Paul, as he concludes verses 1 through 5, must have been thinking that now would be the perfect time to give the definitive example of what humility in action looks like. Enter verses 6 through 11, which describe the humility of the Lord Jesus. Let me pick up in verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, 
and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. If you are a believer in Christ, I trust your heart is full right now. These verses present Christ as pre-incarnate deity in verse 6. They present his humanity in verse 7, his presence on earth in verse 8, his literal, humiliating death also in verse 8, his exaltation by the Father in verse 9, and his lordship in verses 10 through 11. There is a staggering amount of truth here, condensed into five elegant verses. And my point, as it relates to the manner in which we need to engage politically, this Jesus who took on human flesh to live as one of us, to face what we face such that he can sympathize with us, to experience human politics, to be misunderstood and mistreated, and all the while to be more concerned about others than himself? Paul presents this kind of humility as our model. Do we as believers possess this kind of thoroughgoing humility? As we engage in the political debates, are we seeking to accomplish the Father's will, or are we more concerned about being right and winning the battle? For those of us who aren't the God-man who could read people's minds and knew the true facts about every person's every problem, we need to be willing to listen and learn. To restate this in the words of King Solomon, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. It takes humility to grow in Christ. The matters which scripture addresses are clear, but what about cultural issues, political issues, medical issues, societal issues, environmental issues? God's word is certainly sufficient as it pertains to the topics it addresses, and we need to stand on those matters where scripture clearly reveals God's heart, such as when it comes to the lives of the unborn. However, on the topics that are not directly addressed, what should we bring into our discussions about the media, vaccines, the environment, the most effective gun control policies, and racial conflict? Well, may we bear in mind the injunction of Proverbs 29.20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. That is good counsel, because such issues are very complex, requiring much understanding and insight. The truth is, nearly everyone in the world has something to teach us. We're all made in God's image, and we have different perspectives. Now, this doesn't mean everyone is right, but it definitely means you can't start the conversation assuming that you're the expert and they're wrong about their own life experience. My burden today is to urge those of us who are in Christ to be ambassadors of the gospel in everything, even matters of politics, and this can only be done well if we cultivate an attitude of humility. So, here are some practical ideas. Number one, maintain your operating system. If you have a smartphone, you depend on that device having a stable, consistent, predictable operating system. Every application or app that you might use on your phone depends on a basic framework of functions that the operating system provides. These functions are published so that app developers know how to interact with the device and produce the desired result. There are 2.96 million different apps in the App Store for my phone. I might have 100 of them installed, and someone with a similar phone might have 100 completely different apps on his or her phone. But what we have in common 
is the same operating system. If you'll permit the analogy, believers also have a clear, scripture-informed, Holy Spirit-empowered operating system that should govern our thoughts, our words, and our actions. The Apostle Paul's injunction to the Philippians in 127 is helpful here. Quote, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. End quote. The child of God cannot jettison this passage just because there is a political debate to be had. We might have different political views, but at the core, we share a non-negotiable set of values, beliefs, morals, and ethics that guide all we think, say, and do, and this includes humility. Be unwilling to allow an argument to override your biblical operating system. Number two, listen to your editor. Even gifted writers can benefit from an editor who helps refine their work. It does take humility to submit the fruit of one's painstaking labors and then receive critiques. However, if embraced, the perspective of another can serve to make the message stronger. The truth is, we need counsel too, and there is no better editor of our spoken or typed words than the scripture. Consider an editor like Jesus' half-brother James. Quote, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. End quote. That, of course, is James 1, 19-20. James 1, 19 provides a great editorial filter through which to run our words, spoken or written. Question. Does what I'm about to contribute to a discussion demonstrate that I have been quick to hear, i.e., an intentional and genuine listener? Question. Does what I'm about to contribute to a discussion demonstrate a slowness to speak? i.e. a refusal to practice rash, hasty, unprofitable speech. Question. Does what I'm about to contribute to a discussion demonstrate a slowness to anger, i.e. having a long fuse even on topics and issues on which I am passionate or disagree? Otherwise, in the words of verse 20, I am not achieving the righteousness of God. Rather, I am working against him. And that is not my calling as an ambassador of Christ. And this leads to my final application. Number three, pick the right battles. I started out this podcast with an assertion. There are many important things that need to be said. And the flip side of that coin is that there are many important things that need to be heard. Believers are called to do both in a way that reflects our calling in Christ. Let me now add some greater texture to this. Our calling in Christ demands that we give first allegiance to his kingdom, and then to take that manner of living into our engagement with the earthly kingdom. When we engage in the politics of earthly kingdoms, we should stand for issues about which scripture is clear, but it must be with grace and truth, else we can easily focus on the wrong objectives and turn spiritual siblings into enemies. Our primary goal as ambassadors of Christ in the world is the advancement of the gospel into hostile spiritual territory. How is what you're saying, or typing, or posting, or pondering helping to accomplish this goal? Jesus was no weakling 
when he girded his waist with a towel. Jesus lacked no conviction when he said, Your will be done to his Father. Jesus lost no face of any consequence when he was reviled and did not revile in return. He had his eye on a different kingdom, even while making a huge difference in the earthly one. It was a properly balanced both and for him, and it can be for us too. In closing, I want to share something from a recent sermon I heard on humility by John Piper that he preached at the installation of a new seminary president. At his conclusion, Piper prayed, asking the Lord for the, quote, self-forgetful gift of humility with backbone, broken-hearted boldness, courageous contrition for God's glory, end quote. May we likewise receive that gift and have the attitude of humility which was in Christ Jesus when it comes to the manner in which we engage politically. Let's engage in the political process and address the issues that our culture is facing, and let's make sure we're doing so as humble listeners and learners. That is the means by which God will be most glorified on earth as he is in heaven, and that is a picture of the gospel which can bring healing to a hurting world. Please keep in mind that Pastor Steve, Corey, and I want to listen learn, and respond to any thoughts and questions you may have. Please send them to questions at faithcommunitychurch.com and look for a new podcast next Monday from Pastor Steve. Thank you for listening.